Discipline is always a concern in special education. That's exactly why I brought Brad with us to the Special Education Inner Circle podcast. I'm excited to talk to everybody about some different thoughts and perspectives on how discipline can be helpful versus hurtful. And um, Brad, will you share with us a little bit about how you ended up at an IEP table? Sure. Well, I am a longtime educator. I was a, uh, you know, I was a fourth grade teacher. I was a middle school teacher. I was a high school principal, and then uh, ultimately a director of curriculum and instruction before writing my book, Hacking School Discipline. So I, I have been in education for a long period of time, and um, I noticed a lot of students that had uh, IEPs and you know disabilities had a little bit of an more. Uh, it was a different experience for them in a lot of cases. Um, so that's what I'm excited to talk about today with our understanding of restorative practices and how it works with students um, that might be, you know, different classifications and they might be treated a little bit differently by the educators and the people in the system. Um, so I am excited to talk to you all today. And um, my mother-in-law is actually a uh, was a severe needs special education and she had students that, um, you know, had a whole, whole a variety of uh, learning disabilities, but they were excluded and not really included as much as I could have been. And uh, interestingly enough, she still has a student living with her and she retired over 20 years ago or so. So, um, you know, oh. part, part of our family involves some of her students um, and wow. part of our gatherings. And my, my wedding had at least five of her students in it. So, you know, it's definitely something very near and dear to my heart. Oh, I love that. It, it's interesting. You know, there's always a story in special education. We all have a story. So, you know, I talk all the time. My brother is uh, 45 with Down syndrome and um, didn't have the great start, you know, greatest start to his school career. And that's one of the reasons that I became a teacher. And then, do you know, I've been doing what I do for the last 20 years of traveling around working on these IEPs and making the IEPs functional for the real world of like, let's make sure we have high expectations and these things are functional. But a lot of times behavior tends to, you know, seem to come up as the reason of like, well, we can't do this because the behaviors or, you know, the child's not able to access their education because of the behaviors, but we're not really addressing some of these root causes. And you have this word that you use all the time. So you provide professional development. You're an author. You've got a lot of, you know, um, opportunity and experience just inside of the school system. And you have this word restorative that you use. And I was like, that's a key word. Like, what does that mean? So uh, let's talk about why did you choose like the word restorative? Why is this focus on restorative discipline? And what does that really mean? Absolutely. Well, restorative justice goes back, you know, a while back to indigenous populations. And it goes back to, you know, it's for one of its first uses outside of the indigenous populations was in the prison systems and in, you know, in, in other environments where what they noticed was, a lot of people that went into the system came right back out and went right back in. So what we were doing is we were punishing people, not actually restoring them or making things right or teaching skills. We really just uh, punished the behavior or, or we, didn't, we didn't differentiate between the behavior and the person. When the reality is, is we need to look at, you know, the action and the person are two different things. So when I think of the word restorative, we're thinking about, okay, how do we take incidents that would otherwise result in punitive measures and how do we separate that out and instead coach the student, instead have the student make things right and take accountability while also teaching skills, while also looking at the root cause, as you mentioned, you know, the why behind the behavior. Because if we don't treat the root cause, if we don't treat the why, then it's just going to happen again and happen again. And it's going to have, you know, what we call recidivism and we're going to see the same behaviors repeatedly. But what I noticed is that we are punishing a kid because they have ADHD. 
we're punishing a kid because they have ODD. We're punishing a kid because they have, you know, something going on. And um, we're looking at that and we're not really treating, you know, the why. We're not looking at that as, you know, think about your academic, your, your accommodations, your modifications and things like that. We do that with academics. But the reality is, is we're not looking at that with behaviors. So they can't access, you know, the education sometimes, not because of the behaviors, but because of how we treat the behaviors, because of how we look at the behaviors. And, uh, you know, we're looking at, you know, it's at least a double, a double the rate of suspension and expulsion for students with an IEP than their uh, non-disabled peers right now in schools. And honestly, it, it's huge, but our, our, our educators, you know, going into the field, they weren't really trained you know, to the degree they needed to be trained in, in special education, we might've had a class um, on it or so. But the reality is, is that, you know, when we walk into a classroom, there's gonna be students with IEPs, 504s, students with, um, you know, all, all kinds of things that we weren't trained for. And the on-the-job training for these things is by trial by fire, right? We yeah. kind of see, we kind of see, and uh, I, I don't feel like I was ever adequately trained in how to work with students with IEPs in my entire career. Because yeah. once you get in there, you know, once you're into the field, you know, you know, you don't really have time for all those things. And that wasn't the focus of a lot of our professional development as well in schools, right? Yeah, that's that's been a big, um, you know, we were just chatting before we kind of hit record here. And I was like, I've been providing professional development all summer to teachers and their biggest concern, and mostly general education teachers. So I'm teaching about IEPs, you know, five things you can do, you know, this school year when it comes to IEPs and your students. And afterwards, teachers were just coming up and asking like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm looking at my caseload and the number of students with IEPs is doubling. And, mm -hmm. you know, all of these students have high needs that I feel like I'm not even equipped to meet. What am I going to do? So we're talking compliance and accountability, and that's another conversation for another day, but it's important for everybody to understand, for the teachers to know, if you're feeling like this, you're not alone, for the parents to understand that the teachers are not equipped. So we have to work on equipping teachers to make sure that they can look at this different, that they're not doing things like, I'll tell you the top two things right now. And I, I can't wait to, if you guys are watching, I'm sure you'll see, you know, kind of a reaction here. If you're listening, you know, um, just share with us. So behavior charts of like the whole classroom, you know, red, green, yellow kind of behavior charts. Those are still happening everywhere. And, you know, taking away recess and that those two things tend to happen all the time to our students with IEPs. So maybe if you're listening, you're not, you know, in that exact behavior chart situation or that exact recess, you know, my child's getting recess taken away, or that's kind of our go-to, but there's, there might be something similar to that. Can you just help us with that conversation of what are some things that, how do we start that conversation? And what are some, I'm going to call them like remedies, some things that we can like put into place to, to, to go away from that. Absolutely. And we just wrote a blog on teacher goals about clip charts recently. Um, it's one of those things that's public shame, public humiliation, public display of behaviors, and what you're going to see on those clip charts, you know, they, they're they're well, you know, they're intended to be, you know, they have, they have good intentions. I, I, I say, you know, they, they want to do the right thing and reward the students. But the reality is, is we don't see the positive behaviors. We see the negative behaviors in the moment. In you know, I have 30 kids in my classroom. It's really hard to recognize all my students versus I'm seeing kids talking to each other. I'm seeing kids doing things. I'm seeing kids throw something or something like that. And where our eyes, you know, tend to focus are the students that we're anticipating the behaviors coming from. 
right? Um, the students that we would, so we see where we look at certain students more often than others. And because we're looking at them more, we see more behaviors that maybe aren't the best. So what I see on, on behavior charts is I see my students with IEPs at the bottom of the chart. I see my students of color at the bottom of the chart. I see my students that, you know, are usually my, uh, you know, they have higher grades and they, they might be Caucasian without an IEP. They, they're at the top um, of the behavior chart, right? So what I'm seeing is that we're publicly displaying discrimination. We're publicly shaming and blaming and things like that. So we're not only are we doing it, you know, implicitly, we're also showing the whole class that this is where everyone stands right now. And the behaviors that we are, you know, marking down on the chart are not necessarily fair to mark them down on because it's a part of their learning disability. It's we didn't follow the plan. We look at every kid the exact same, and you know, well, if that kid talks, this is what happens. No matter if you have this or you don't have this, right? Mm -hmm. But the reality is, when you talk about the remedies proactively, students that have learning disabilities or students that have ADD, students that have ADHD, and things like that, what are we proactively doing so that they're not calling out when they're not supposed to ahead of time? So they're not talking to people when they're supposed to, you know, not be talking to people ahead of time, that proactive side is missing. It's more of a fear-based thing, right? Like when you do something wrong, I'm gonna catch you doing that thing wrong and I'm going to shame you for it with those charts, right? And it, even if it's not a chart, even if it's points, you know, even if it's an electronic, you know, system where I'm giving and taking away points, but it's not like a public clip chart, you know, like a like an app or something mm -hmm. like that that exists, right? Um, so when I'm thinking about that, you know, you gotta look at and anticipate, okay, what are the things, like my kids are gonna have a hard time sitting for 10 minutes in a row. And, you know, like we have to build kids up to the ability to sit for 10 minutes in a row. Um, we have to look at collaborative opportunities. You know, are my kids getting opportunities to talk to each other when I know that they need to actually talk and they need to process, they need to digest and things like that. So I look at it as a big proactive opportunity. Like, what are we doing? Knowing our kids, knowing what's going on, knowing and anticipating, okay, my kids are gonna struggle with this a little bit because it involves this. So ahead of time, I'm going to make these, you know, accommodations or these modifications to my lesson. So the reality is, is we're seeing the ramifications of not doing those things in advance. And when, the, when we don't do those things in advance, we start to see behaviors manifest. And re the reality is, is we're punishing kids for our lack of maybe planning for that kid in that lesson that day, right? Yeah. Um, I also see that as, you know, we have a kid that does certain behaviors and we're punishing that behavior. But the reality is, is we're not actually looking at you, as you said before, at the root cause and the why behind it, right? Like, why is the kid calling out? Why is the kid making fun of the other kid? Why is the kid, you know, doing certain things? Like, we have to look at, you know, there's Maslow before Bloom, you know, their basic needs being met. But when it comes to IEPs, it's, you know, it's something where we have to think about, okay, the characteristic of this kid are these, what can I do in advance to prevent those? If they do something that maybe they shouldn't, you know, we have to handle that and we have to talk through it. But what we're missing is the teaching component. Like how are we working on social skills? How are we working on social emotional learning? How are they more aware that when they blurt out in front of the whole class, this is how it's impacting the learning environment. This is how it's impacting others. And what can I do and what can I give the kid so that they, when they want to blurt out, they have an alternative strategy to blurting out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So absolutely. it's a big, it's, it's teaching. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, and, and when you're saying all of this, 
you know, my, my IEP side of my brain goes straight to a functional behavior analysis and making sure we have a proper behavior intervention plan. And a lot of people think of those things as negative. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, a parent will say like, my kid's so bad that he needs an FBA and a behavior intervention plan, uh, you know, a BIP, we might say, you know, like, oh, they're so bad. Or the teacher's like, oh, we're going to have to go through an FBA or a BIP. And I'm like, I kind of love those because they put everybody on the same page of this is what needs to be provided. And if, and when this behavior happens, this is what happens next. And it's, it's something that we can actually use proactively. Unfortunately, only use it reactive of like, when things are so out of control, finally, we resort to getting a plan. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why didn't we just go through the, like the process is set up. We have the mechanics, we -hmm. have it in the system. We're just not using it in a proactive way. We're using it only reactive. So just um, any words of support for the teachers or the parents who are, might be hesitant to implement, you know, and go through that process of an FBA or a BIP. Uh, I, I would say when we're looking at those, it's, it's almost a protection so that you know something is in place, right? You know, because my, my, my daughter, for example, has behavioral issues. Um, my, my daughter was developmentally delayed. And, you know, she went a whole two weeks in school this year without getting into some sort of, uh, you know, principal phone call home. Um, you know, and, and it was very unfamiliar to me because I never got a phone call home in my entire school career. Neither did my wife. Um, and my daughter's in first grade and she's, you know, we're getting calls all the time um, with, with her. And, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, how, we, how are we going to be proactive with her? How are we going to make sure that the teacher is well aware of the sensory issues she has? They're well aware of this. And we, and we need to let the teacher know that, yes, she can't get away with things just because she has these things going on. But she needs to make sure that these things are in place to make sure that she's not going to explode at you. Um, you know, and she's not going to say things that she shouldn't. And if she if you do everything you need to do and then she still does that. then yes, we will look at that. You know, we'll look at the behavior and things like that. Right. But I would say there's nothing you know, there's nothing to fear. It's only going to help your child. You know what I mean? Like it's it's going to give the teacher the tools, the strategies, give everyone, you know, the team. Everyone's going to be, you know, collaborative on what it is that is going on. Like just because your kid has some kind of things that are going on in school, it doesn't mean they're a bad kid. It doesn't mean that they are, you know, different or it doesn't mean, you know, sometimes different is good. You know what I mean? Sometimes we need to look at them as unique. You know, because sometimes we try to coach the fieriness out of kids. We try to beat it out of them, right? You know, we try to take a kid and how they're unique and we try to normalize them. We try to assimilate them into their environment and things like that, right? Instead of celebrating who they are and, you know, what's unique about them. So long story short is there's nothing wrong with having a plan. And in fact, with our our kid, you know, I want to have a plan just so that they're not constantly, you know, getting in trouble without any scaffolding, without any supports in place. So I'm kind of chuckling because, you know, you're, you're saying like, uh, you know, my, my child and the call home from the principal and stuff. And it's like, do you want to say like, listen, I wrote this book and I think everybody should read it. And we can, we can like, like, do you, do you know, like I'm on board with you on doing this, uh-huh. like we can make this happen. So it happens a lot. So, you know, I train parents, teachers, admins, therapists to be master IEP coaches. So they help themselves and then they help others through the system. And it's always kind of funny, like when they get their call from, you know, they get the calls too, right. From their, from their, um, principals about their child. And they're like, you know, we really think we need to look at this. And they're kind of like, yeah, I do this for a living. Like, I get it. Let's do it. I'm on your team. And I, I think that's so important for our listeners to know too. Like, you know, you say, 
there's no bad kids. And it's like, yeah, and you're not a bad parent and you're not a bad teacher. This is all just something we have to communicate about and get a plan for. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because I, um, you know, when one of my kids is having a meltdown in public, um, or somewhere I'm, I'm thinking, I hope they didn't know I wrote Heckin' So Disciplined right now. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what I mean? And when they call me, they, they know I wrote the book at, at her school and I'm doing some work with her school actually this year <laughs> to be interesting. So it's always funny when my kid does something, they're probably thinking, well, you know, if you wrote the book, shouldn't this kids be perfect, right? Shouldn't this kids know exactly what to do? And I'm like, it almost makes others feel better that knowing that I still struggle with my own kids uh, with their behaviors, you know, like so restorative practice is not a silver bullet. It's not something that makes kids perfect. It's just the best thing we can do with kids at the time. It doesn't always work, you know, the best, like, it, it, but, you know, it's where we start. Like we start here. This is our intention. This is the best strategy we can possibly use, but I'll go through the whole process with my own kids and do everything right. And they'll still look at me like, but it's still not my fault. Um, or, or no, I don't get, you know, I don't agree with you or, you know, they won't apologize, you know, they won't, they won't themselves identify the need to apologize or make it right. Things like that. Right. But, right. You know I mean? That's why I kind of mentioned that. I'm like, that's why I'm kind of, sure. I'm like, you know, we're not saying that there's any perfect model that is this magic wand. That's just going mm -hmm. to all problems are solved. You know, there are strategies that are, you know, uh, we can apply them, but we have little tiny humans and, mm -hmm. and they have a mind of their own. And, uh -huh. and it's about helping them understand and helping the adults understand what needs to happen um, next in that. So that's what I always want to kind of share those real life human. Like we're not saying here's the theory and you know, it, it's magical. It's like, here's something that works mm -hmm. and, it, and it can apply. And so I want to encourage everyone. I'm going to put the link to the book down so you guys can see what we're talking about and you can get some ideas and some strategies and some things that that we know it you know it, they work and it might take some time and we've got to you know definitely personalize it but it's possible to do that brad will you just share a little bit more too so we're going to make sure that everybody has the book but you know you you've got a whole wealth of things you mentioned teacher goals a little bit um with that will you just share with everybody you know what what do you do and how can they reach out to you Sure. And, and when, when somebody asks me what I do, I don't know what to say because I, I'm doing a lot of things, Yes. Um, you know, because I see myself as an educator, you know, what, when I was in, you know, in, when I was in my last position, um, I had no intention whatsoever of leaving the education. Um, I got a phone call when I was, um, you know, when the book had come out about three months, uh, I got a phone call from a school district in uh, rural uh, Tennessee. And they say to me, hey, do you do this work? Uh, do you come out to schools? And I go, to do what? Like, I was so confused that somebody in Tennessee had my book at, at, at the time, you know, and then we started getting more calls and more calls to come and help school districts. So then I had a foot in, a foot out, and I ultimately had to take the leap and go and work full-time with schools, um, besides, besides when I was working at. So I, I do professional development. Um, I do restorative practices, but where, where we really specialize is real life, real kids in classrooms. Because I feel like a lot of this stuff is theory. A lot of the stuff is, you know, prison systems. A lot of the stuff is not realistic when you have 25 kids. It might be realistic if you're an administrator um, when you have a half hour to maybe have a conversation with the kids sometimes. But you can't, with 25 kids, go through the whole process. So we made it applicable where, you know, this is restorative, the best you can do with the time that you have. 
um, you know, and, and we have the bigger, longer, what you can do if you have more time built in as well. So I do professional development for schools, school districts on restorative practices. And we actually combine, not just restorative practices, but applied neuroscience. Like you have to also consider brain development. You have to also consider fight, flight, fawn, or freeze, you know, and how do we get kids not in those modes? How do we process with kids only when they're able to process, right? Um, we also look at equity, you know, how are we looking at, who are we disciplining, what does it look like for all of our students, right? Um, disproportionality and things like that. We also look at social emotional learning, um, which is also seriously important because we can't just look at, at this as a reactive practice. What are we doing? How are we teaching throughout this process? And we also incorporate PBIS, MTSS, RTI, like how do you take all these things, these silos in education, and do one strategy that is trauma-informed, one strategy that's applied neuroscience, one science that's you know, restorative and all those other things at once. Um, I also have, in addition to writing the book, Hacking School Discipline, doing professional development on that book. Um, like you mentioned, I, I run an organization called Teacher Goals. And with Teacher Goals, uh, our goal is to give content and quality content to educators. Um, we, we say what's funny, what's funny, frustrating, and fantastic about education. So sometimes you gotta laugh or you're gonna cry. Um, you know, like, like sometimes you know, the job is so hard that you need to laugh at something that we put online, you know, so we're trying to give a little bit of comedy to the job, while also giving real resources, while also doing podcasts, blogs, you know, we're, we're publishing books as well. So, um, you know, with all these things we have going on, it's just a lot of a lot of stuff, but ultimately what the goal is is to give educators useful tools, no matter what I do, if it's a professional development or the teacher goals give teachers the tools they need to be successful at their jobs. Oh, I love that so much. And, and again, I just want to just this alignment of providing strategies that work in the real world. That's what I talk about all the time. IEP goals for the real world. We're talking about IEP goal writing for the real world. You know, there's just all this real world application that has been left out in the past. And there's a way to take all of those things that you talked about and apply them, but we need to show our educators and our parents, and we need to collaborate and have these conversations and be willing to make mistakes and see the implementation and, and facilitate this uh, process in a much different way, because it is possible for us to raise the expectations and see greater outcomes when we're providing the right foundation and providing those opportunities. So uh, Brad, just thank you for really enlightening everybody in the, the opportunities that are out there, because I think a lot of times we get in this tunnel vision of this is discipline, or this is the school policy, or this is how kids with IEPs act, or, you know, there's just this, this kind of perspective that's very narrow and you've helped it, you know, helped us really kind of broaden that and give us some keywords and some key strategies. So thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. And uh, we look forward to talking again. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Bye everyone. All right. Bye. 